0: In this fourth chapter of the book of, of um, uh, Esther, we also are going to find out that a decree has been made. A law has been given. Naaman has produced the law, and he has passed it before the king, and the king, without much thought, passed it. Now, we read about the law of the Medes and the Persians, that it cannot be thwarted. And what a characteristic about that is, The divine purpose of God, it cannot be thwarted. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. What God purposed before the foundation of the world is not going to be altered. And uh, so as we follow this down, we find that the proposal, the new law that's been enacted is all the Jews in the realm are to be killed. That's what the purpose is. Now, we find that uh, in this passage as we look at it tonight in the fourth chapter that it brought out an emotional cry from mordecai this is the queen's cousin on the outside he probably has some important office but in this time we find that he cannot go past the gate because he goes into sackcloth and ashes now notice with me in verse one of esther chapter four in verse one of esther chapter four we find that Mordecai perceived all that was done. Now, he's a perceptive person. He has a great deal of knowledge. He's in an important place. And he understands immediately the consequences of that law. He has perceived all that was done. And Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud voice and a bitter cry. Now, you know... I can see this man in his great burden that he feels about the situation. But I think, and as I found in the scripture, I believe that Mordecai is doing much more than that because we find a number of places throughout the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, that God's people cry out to the Lord. Now the name of God is not mentioned here, but I believe that Mordecai is doing more than just whining out there in the street. I believe he's out there in great prayer for what's going to happen and what's going on. And we're going to see in verse 14 of this chapter that he has been given a double portion of faith. He is a believer, and he has a great deal of faith about what's going to happen to those people. But before we go over there, turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, 1 Samuel chapter 7, So we back up here just a few books in the Bible Now, known unto God are why Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are where they are. (laughs) Because they're after the Babylonian captivity. (coughs) And most of the books, minor prophets, are before that. But they are there. We'll just address them that way. But in 1 Samuel chapter 7, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, we have the children of Israel said unto Samuel cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. Now we're going to go over there and see that Mordecai is crying himself. Here these people are asking that Samuel cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Now here we have, Mordecai is out in the street, and I don't believe that he is uh, what the Lord said don't Don't pray out in public. I think he's praying to himself, but he is exercising his right to cry under the circumstances, to wail. So here, the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord. You are our emissary. You are our go-between at this point and cease not to cry unto us because the Philistines are at the door. All right? Under that same thought, let's turn over to the book of Psalms, Psalm 18 and verse 6. Psalm 18 and verse 6, we find this principle is brought out through the Scriptures. That, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and they said they quit praying for their children. And I says, really? And he says, now I cry out for them. Well, it kind of shocked me to begin with, but I can understand what he was doing. He's crying out for them. And we read this here in verse six of Psalm 18, in my distress. And if anybody we've read about recently is in distress, it's Mordecai. He is in distress. This has really bothered him, the law that has been passed. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. Now notice this, he heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Now, the Lord God of heaven is going to do something for Mordecai when he is, uh, gives a conversation to be shared with the queen. He's going to tell her, if you're not going to be used to deliver the Jews, someone else will. He has absolute faith that the Jews are going to be delivered. He knows that God has go- is going to deliver his people. And so he's praying here, even this in my distress. And again, we find this principle brought out in the scriptures in the 34th Psalm, Psalm 34 and verse 15. As we think about Mordecai out in the street crying out to the Lord on behalf of the people and for himself, we find here in Psalm 34 and verse 15, this message is given here. How important it is to pray unto God and to bring our petitions before him. And he knows what we have need of before we ask. Most certainly, the God that had all of these events happen also knows how it's going to come out in the end. He is going to deliver those people. They are not going to be killed. The edict that was made out, the law of the Medes and the Persians will be honored, but another one is going to supersede it and take care of it in verse 15 of psalm 34 it says the eyes of the lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry so we find this very thing that mordecai does is common among god's people in our closets it's common for us to cry out unto the lord as we read hannah uh, i'm not drunk but i'm praying unto the lord well Again in Psalm, Psalm 107, we read this. Psalm 107, the scriptures share this, that again shares with us the blessing that we have of coming before the throne of grace in prayer and crying unto him in our distress, crying unto him with our cares and crying unto him for our children and our grandchildren. And Lord, by God's grace, save them according to your eternal purpose. Here in Psalm 107 and verse 19, the scriptures share this. It said, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. Now, if we go to three or four passages in the minor, minor prophets, only because they're shorter, he says, they will cry unto me, and I will not hear. Now, those that are his people, he will hear them. He is prompting. We sing a song from time to time that tells us that our prayers are really the that's what's given us to God. We know not how to pray as we ought. I appreciate that passage because it really helps me. We know not how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. We, we are not able to present them like we want, but the Holy Spirit is there to aid us. And I've mentioned several times to people, talking should be the simplest thing we can do. And yet when it comes to talking to God, we are in desperate need that someone intercede for us. So if that, the simplest thing, what about the most difficult thing? And that is salvation, the new birth, impossibilities on our part. But so easy for God, and so it is with our prayer, the most common thing, talking with God. We need someone to go between us and God. We don't know how to pray as we ought. We do know that he knows what we have need of before we ask. So he is an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God. He has all knowledge. He's purposed all things. And he is so uh, glad when we come before his throne of grace, even as Mordecai crying out crying out. My people will cry out in their distresses. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. How often do we find that? It's exampled in the judges so often how they cried out. God raised up somebody. God delivered the people. And then we find out because of our natural inclination, we go right back. (laughs) It's hard. Well, Going back to the book of Esther, we find there in Esther chapter 4, again in verse 1. Let's read that again in Esther chapter 4 and verse 1. Esther chapter 4 and verse 1, we find when Mordecai perceived all that was done, when he knew. Now, he has knowledge of what's going to happen before most of the other Jews do. He has knowledge before the queen knows about it. He has knowledge before the Jews in the hinterlands do. It's going to take a while for it to get out there. What a blessing that this man was given this information so quickly and so quietly. And what a blessing it is for him to bring this very thing before the Lord and cry out to the Lord. Now we find that Esther goes and makes, uh, find out what's wrong with him. What's happened? Uh, We know what it is to be kept in the dark. (laughs) Sometimes we just can't figure out things. And I've been told by a preacher, when we can figure it out, it's probably wrong. But here, to be kept, but always knowing that it is God behind the lattice, overseeing, overriding, caring for taking care of, preceding, going before. And I like what Abraham said over there when it was brought to his attention, where's the lamb? And he said, God will provide himself a lamb. And then he named that place Jehovah-Jireh. Now that Jehovah-Jireh, God will provide, isn't all that that means. It really goes on to say God says, I will see to it. And there's a whole bunch of Jehovah Jirehs in the Bible. And we're going to find that as we follow this passage of scripture, the book of Esther out, God is going to see to it. He's not caught by surprise. It's not any of that. He's purposed it. He will see to it. And not only did he bring this Haman to to authority, He will dispatch him. Not only does the ruling go out that all the Jews are going to be killed, but he will take care of that. I will see to it. All right. As we follow this through, Mordecai thoroughly believed that it was a cause which one or other would certainly be carried out and therefore might be There's going to be a venture upon this. God's going to take care of it. We're going to see that Mordecai had a great deal of faith. You know, I wish I'd have thought of this verse today when I was talking to a young man, but I'm going to bring it up tonight, and that is Jesus told his disciples, if you you had the faith as a grain of mustard. Now, I don't think it was a mistake when he said, if you have the faith. Do you know what we would do if we had the faith? All we'd have to do is say to that mountain be removed and it would be removed. Now the Lord is sharing with us we don't have faith. We're dependent upon someone else to supply that faith. We, if we had faith as a as a, a, a seed of an alfalfa, let's just think of that, they're about the same size, minuscule little seed. If we had faith as a grain of mustard we could say to the sycamine tree we could say to this mountain and he says you don't have any you don't it it is not in you to have faith in God we do not have faith of our own and when people tell me they have faith they don't have faith in their own it is supplied it is given and so we're going to find out here that Mordecai was given a great deal of faith For him to be able to say, whether you take care of it or not, God's going to take care of it. He may use someone else, but God is going to deliver the Jews. He understood that. It is so much like what we read over there with regard to Abraham. I like what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Turn over there with me if you would. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. We don't catch this so much in the Old Testament, but it's so delivered here. Maybe in the original it would say this, but in the book of Hebrews it explains so much about what took place there on Mount Moriah that Abraham told those people that he left behind with those donkeys, we're both going up and we're both coming back. Well, this is why. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, Offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, Abraham had faith to believe that in this very son, the Messiah is coming. Offer him up, okay. Accounting, verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up from the ash heap. He was asked to consume him with fire, to quarter him as he would a a sacrifice, consume him. And then he said, If that takes place, I know he is able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also ye receive him in a figure. He received him in a figure that way. There was someone else that took his place. There was blood spilled on that mountain. Uh, uh, great ram was slain. Blood was slain. He was quartered. He was burnt. And both Abraham and Isaac came off of that mountain. But Abraham understood that whatever happens, I'm coming off this mountain with this young man because he is the line of the Messiah. I don't I'm not gonna have another one. This is the promised seed. And we find in the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul brings that up so clearly about not in seeds but seed. All right. So God will provide. God will provide. He will see to it. I'm convinced. That in the heart and the mind of Mordecai, he understood that principle that God will provide. He's going to share with it in just a minute. Now, over one other place I want to look, found over in the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. In 2 Chronicles, there's a very blessed verse of scripture. I'm going down the freeway today, and I'm thankful that I had a scratch, a piece of scratch paper in my car and a pen. And that this first struck me, and I had to write it down. Then I had to find it, but here it is. There's a lot of problems going on. There has been problems in Israel <laughs> from the very beginning. Second Chronicles chapter twenty verse twelve. 2 Chronicles chapter twenty verse twelve. A lot of problems, and it looks hopeless. Just like Mordecai looks out and sees. The edict has gone out. I have it in my hand. It says every Jew in the realm is to be killed. Signed, King Ahasuerus. And seconded by Haman. O our God. Verse 12. Wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. We can't do it. We have no might against this great company. Neither know we what to do. We know not how to pray as we ought. We don't know what to do. It's too big. It looks overwhelming. But notice the next phrase. But our eyes are upon thee. You're all our hope and you're all our salvation. Now, we don't know what's going to happen here. We don't know how it's going to come out, but we know that our eyes are upon you. And Mordecai, let's down. let's go over here. Well, I like that verse over there in the book of Romans eight thirty two. It says, God spared not his own son. Shall he not freely give us all things? If he gave us the, the absolute most best and everything, he's going to take care of the rest. There is eternal life. He'll take care of it. All right. Now, let's go back over here to the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4. Mordecai cries out how God's people cry out, how they pray to God, how we come before him with our troubles, how we come before him with situations. I don't know what to do, but I know you do. (laughs) I know you have it. I'm thankful that we read in the scriptures that he's a God that does neither slumbers nor sleep, so Judah is in good hands. He will take care of the issues. It looks scary. There's a problem. I'm going to cry about it. I am going to weep over it, but it is going to be taken care of. And here in the book of Esther, chapter 4, Esther chapter 4, we have Mordecai sharing with us what God had given to him. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. Now, he is sharing this. uh, um, Let's read verse 13, so we have a little bit here. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. He's saying, you're in the same house. When they find out about you, they're going to do the same thing to you because you fall under this edict. I fall under this edict. And the children and grandchildren and the great-grandchildren in the farthest hinterlands are going to fall under this edict. Every Jew is to be destroyed, to be killed. And it's been signed by the king, and it cannot be changed because it is the law of the Medes and the Persians. It looks bad. But just like those people in that day when it looked bad, it says, our eyes are on you. We're trusting you in this. If you see fit for us to go into the burning fiery furnace, so be it. And if you see fit to protect us in there, so be it. If you want us to go into the den lions, okay. If you don't, okay. If you have us eaten up, okay. And if you don't have us eaten up, okay. Our eyes are on you. All right. Verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. case says, I know this. The Jews will be delivered. Now, you may be here, as he goes on to say, whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this, is the rest of that. You're, you're going to suffer the same consequences. You are a Jew. You're going to have this fallout on you. But whether you go or not, God is going to deliver his people. Now, this faith, this faith is not Mordecai's faith. It's a gift faith. It's a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. This faith, even as it is, is nothing more than a conduit It is a deliverance way. Uh, I don't know whether I put that article in the bulletin or whether I read it and said I want to put it in the bulletin, but it is simply like the aqueducts of Rome. The aqueducts were not worshipped. That wasn't the thing. It was the water that it delivered. That's what they wanted was the water. This is just, this is, and that's the way it is. Our faith given to us is nothing more than the deliverance system. It's not something that we worship. We worship the one who's delivered. We're deli- we worship God. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith, we can see him as he is. Not by sight, but by faith, we see him. And Christianity, pure Christianity, worshiping God in spirit and in truth is the only thing on this world, heaven and earth, where people worship that which they cannot see. Now, religions have all kinds of adornments, and they say, well, this helped us to worship. No. God said, that's an idol. Christianity worships in spirit and in truth. God gives us the blessing of salvation by the new birth and grants us the privilege of worshiping Him, and He's invisible. We've never seen Him. We look and read in the scriptures about our God and what He did, what the Lord did in His time, and we say, If I was there, I could not believe it any more than I am right now. It's that simple. It's that clear. I don't have to see that happen. I don't have to see him change a bunch of uh, sardines and and bread into feed 10,000 or 5,000. When you read it, well, that's just as clear as it can be. I trust that. Well, that's what we find out with all things. Where did that come from? Turn with me, if you would, to the first chapter of the book of Titus. The book of Titus, the Apostle Paul is writing, and, you know, Paul wrote so much about what he didn't believe before he was saved. He didn't believe in total depravity before he was saved. But he certainly did after he was saved. And he was given that section of Scripture in the book of Romans. There is not one person that seeks after God. Now, he would probably say before he was saved, I was seeking after God. I was honoring him. I was doing all this. He thought he was doing God a service. And then he found out he wasn't. God revealed that to him. Well, here in the book of of, uh, Titus, Titus chapter 1, Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. Now that's where faith is Faith of God's elect, he provides it all. Mike has shared with us several times in his studies of Luke, whatever God demands, he supplies. Because he knows ours is garbage. So he's going to supply real faith. We have faith that I'm going to sit down in this chair and it's not going to collapse on me. That isn't even what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to believe God. And by our own self, we cannot, we will not. We're anathema maranatha to God. We're an enmity with God. But when he saves us, he said, I've given you the faith that I give all my elect. And now you can trust me. You could be like Mordecai. The, it looks bad. It is bad. Don't take it's not bad. An edict has been passed and all the Jews are going to get killed. But Mordecai said, you know, Esther, I love you with all my heart. But if you don't see the need to put yourself in this position, God will raise up someone else. And I believe that when it comes to missionary work, the pastoral work God is going to put whoever he needs in the place to preach the gospel so that all his lost sheep will hear it Jonah if you don't go I'll raise up someone else but I want to make you go alright Titus Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ said this by inspiration the faith of God's elect Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 6. This whole chapter, it's a wonderful e-chapter. But here in verse 6, And ye became followers of us, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 6, Ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Mordecai said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know this. The people of God shall be delivered. We read his name. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, how he carries that out is his business. And who he appoints to be the preacher is his business. But he shall save his people from their sins. In uh, in Acts 13.48, we find that a whole group of Gentiles got to have what God had given to a bunch of Jews, to Mordecai, to David, to Solomon, to Abraham... These, that it tells us, who were ordained to eternal life believed. They were given faith. God saved them by his grace through faith. And so it is just going out throughout the, all the world. Now, we pray that we might have something happen here like is happening down in New Guinea. Fifty preachers getting together at one time. 23 gospel churches in an area and over a thousand people gather on whatever day they want to gather on i don't know if they gather on sunday i don't know when they gather on monday but they get together how that is god has a purpose he's going to save his people from their sins and in the book of matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 Uh, This used to be quoted to me quite a lot, but the the real emphasis of this is found in the last part of it. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, it says here concerning the church, concerning the elect of God, concerning those that God brings in. God uh, saves them by his grace. He said, Peter, you're so insignificant, you're a little stone." But I'm talking about a big rock of Gibraltar. I'm talking about myself. I can just see the Lord saying, upon this rock, not you. Now, you're part of it, but you're not the church. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there have been many times that people have thought it's almost at the brink. And lo and behold, some brethren come over from Ethiopia. (laughs) Or out of the hinterlands of the Persian Empire, Mordecai said, I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know this, if you don't, someone else will, and the people of God shall be delivered. All right, let's go back there to the book of Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. In Esther chapter 4, as we continue here, we see this great uh, thought given to Esther in in, uh, Esther chapter 4. And there in verse 14, let's read verse 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. Now let's back up just a little bit here. And it tells us in verse 11. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death, except shall to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come into, in unto the king for these 30 days. Now, what she has to say is serious, and it is the rule. Anybody that steps into the presence of the king uninvited, the king has the right to censor, seriously, <laughs> to kill. You know, all those who say they're going to come in uninvited, that that guy in a, didn't have the wedding garment on came in uninvited well you know we make mistakes you and I do Holy Spirit never makes mistakes we make mistakes we can't see the heart I was asked again today Norm am I saved I said I wouldn't even tell my wife that and shame on you if you tell people that that's not your business if the Holy Spirit It tells us in the scriptures. His spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's the testimony. All right. Well, here we have, if I go in there and he doesn't lift up that golden scepter, I'm dead. Well, and they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. I am sure of it. I have been given faith by God to believe this, that they shall be protected. I don't know how it's going to happen, but they shall be protected. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Alright? Let's pray for three days. What is she asking for? Strength to go in and have her life taken from her, strength to go before the king, strength to do this, what is required. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded. What did he say? He found everybody he knew in Shushan the palace. And he says, all right, folks, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's go to our prayer closets. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And so often that word fasting means more than just not eating food. It's let's keep our mouth shut will trust the Lord. I love what Brother Henry used to say in his invitations. He didn't give invitations. He simply said, trust the Lord and don't move a muscle. Don't get involved in it. Well, that's an impossibility. So he's simply saying, you can't do it on your own. The Lord can. All right. We're going to stop there tonight, and we'll pick this up next time in the next chapter. So much is going to happen. It's, we, we have the rest of the story. She, Mordecai up to this point are kind of caught in suspense. But Mordecai, like that king of old, says, Our eyes are upon you.